from veg to flowers and all things in between. The best gardening advice online from World Radio Gardening. Ken's top gardening tips will help you get your blossoms beautiful this season. So we're back with the December podcast. And don't forget, you can send in your questions to World Radio Gardening through our email address, post at worldradiogardening.com. Post at worldradiogardening.com is the email address. And Ken will be happy to share his advice and tips with you. So, Ken, welcome back. And we've got some great questions and emails that have come in to World Radio Gardening. Doris from Crystal Palace has bought a poinsettia last week from the supermarket and it's now dropping its leaves. Why? And she's given it plenty of water. Can you give some tips, please? Well, I think poinsettias from supermarkets. I shouldn't knock supermarkets because a lot of them do a really good job. However, I did pass one recently that had a trolley of uh, poinsettias. I think it was before the really cold snap. But poinsettias outside, they had polythene plastic sleeves over them, but you can't expose them to cool conditions at all before you sell them, really. So if you buy, let's go back to buying a poinsettia. If you buy a poinsettia, whether it be a a supermarket or florist or a garden centre, you buy it, you protect it before you get it into the car and you get it from your car into your home as quickly as possible because they don't like extreme temperature changes, and they really can be affected. If you, say, bought a poinsettia, left it in your car, went for lunch, a long lunch, and then took it home, it could be damaged. It's that extreme. When you get it home, you've obviously got to put it somewhere that's a good temperature, but not by a radiator, not by a fire, and it does need a reasonable amount of light, but you can't put it by a window in case there's any cold drafts. So they're quite particular. She's overwatered it, actually, because she said she's watered it, didn't she? She's watered yeah, it. Yeah, plenty of water. That's not the idea. The idea is you let them dry out and then water, which means you put your finger in it. If it's damp, you don't water it. You leave well alone, and you water it with warm, tep- sorry, tepid water really important water it well with tepid water let it dry out again before you water it again i think they're they're more temperamental than people realize i think and we should say we're speaking at a time what are we second week of december now and there is snow on the ground so really you're putting your feet up aren't you ken (laughs) well Believe it or not, there are patches of this country and even around uh, where we are in Essex, there are areas, believe it or not, that have no snow at all. Uh, We went off to a garden the other day at Burnham on Crouch, expecting it to be a foot under snow or at least three or four inches. There's not a drop of snow there at all. And in fact, we were able to do all the gardening we wanted. So it does come as a bit of a surprise. And if you think of these, this uh, World Radio Gardening covers the whole of the country and beyond, there are areas, let's face it, of Scotland that are in minus 17s. However, there are areas of the country where there is no snow. Although the media would have it, if you look at the media, you'd think there was snow across the whole of the country and we were all sort of blocked into our houses and not able to move, wouldn't you? Yes. Kitty in Pembrokeshire, her pond has iced over and she says, should she worry about the fish and should she turn the fountain off as well? 
Right, Pembrokeshire. Yeah, that has been quite cold, I would have thought, recently, as you mm. said earlier. Um, um, fish do need... You can't just let the complete pond freeze over. And what you do is you don't go out with a hammer and crack it because actually the sound wave will damage the fish, believe it or not, as it travels through the water. One of the best ways is to use a saucepan of hot water, carefully taken out. And if you rest the hot water uh, saucepan on the ice, it will melt through the ice before it gets too thick. One of the ways to keep air around is to float footballs or balls in a pond. That works very well. And therefore, you're inclined to help to keep, um, you know, an, an area of water available as well. It is good if you can get some air to the water. As for the fountain, people are best to turn fountains and waterfalls off before they have frosty weather. It's a bit like turning your outside tap off and sealing them off because they will, will burst if you get extreme temperatures for too long. And the same will happen with the pipe work from the pump. The pump that will be sitting generally, they're in the bottom of the pond, they won't get damaged, but the pipe work can. Faith, who is emailing from North Wales, uh, she says she has a rocky, gritty bed that accumulates loads of leaf every year and is therefore very rich in soil no sun to the side of the stone cottage either help is what she's sort of saying what, she what, needs it what's going on yeah well she's got well sounds like i think i'd pave it over but um she obviously wants to try and grow something in it um if it's north wales it's possibly uh quite a dampish area isn't it north wales it does yep. get a fair bit of rain um and she's got lots of what would be leaf mold i would think one of the better things that you could grow there would be ferns ferns would grow very well um some people don't like them but if you go to a good garden center or nursery there's a huge range of ferns very different types of style of leaf and you can get some very attractive ones that would would mixed up could look very nice the other thing you could plant would be begonia would work quite well that's called commonly called elephant's ears big wide ears and you get those in pink and white and again trying to stick to a color groups of one color and you could put those in these she's describing like pockets of soil isn't she with a gritty mm. rocky condition most of that would put they would both put up with that sort of condition and maybe a bit of vinca. I don't like vinca much, but vinca will spread across the ground. Um, vinca minor is the flatter one, purpley flowers or blue, purpley blue flowers or white flowers, and it spreads across the ground with a small leaf. So that could work as well for her. So is that you, Ken, recommending a stumpery? No. No, not really, no. Not a stumpery, no. Stumpery is upturned upturned uh, roots of plants that you grow in, whereas she's saying it's rock with leaf mouldy type, leaf mould type pockets. So you'd plant into these pockets where there's gritty, soily conditions. Does that make sense? You, it, it does, yeah. But you could have lots of ferns in a stumpery, couldn't you? I think Prince Charles oh, has a, a stumpery, yes, doesn't he? Yes, if you, yeah, he has indeed. Uh, yes, I see what you mean. You mean if you were doing stumpery, you would do a similar sort of thing. Yes, you could. Yeah, you similar could, planting yeah. to what I've just described. Yeah, would work. Mm. 
Okay, let's turn to sunnier climbs then. We've got a question, an international question from Melbourne in Australia. Jules writes, he's just moved there. Can he plant roses to remind him of England? And is it the right time? We'll leave aside why he wants to be reminded of England in Australia. But uh, what do you think, Ken? Now, where was it again? Was it Melbourne in Australia? Melbourne. Well, Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne has a climate... um, I'm not saying it's the same as ours. It is not. But everybody thinks of Australia as being totally hot across the whole of Australia. Places like Melbourne have got, they have a more moderate winter than, say, we we do. Perhaps similar to last year, where our winter went through very mild. I remember cutting grass in December and January. And that's the sort of winter that you will possibly get in Melbourne. Snow is very, very rare, has happened. Um, it happened, I think, and funny enough, it happened last year, I think, in Australia. But um, generally, their climate is closer to ours than most of Australia. So therefore, you the answer is yes, you can grow roses in that part of the world. And in fact, I believe people like David Austin, I think, sell into Australia. So David Austin Roses is a, is one that you could go for. Yeah. Uh, and they are all the old English varieties. Well, they're old English roses, but grown to a new hybridisation. So they're much better, much stronger. And they would work very well indeed for you. The best gardening experts from around the globe are here to help you. Watch our YouTube channel. Search online for World Radio Gardening. Anthony from Epping is after some planting ideas. He has some fence panels, about four in all, hiding a barn. And he thought of climbers or shrubs for the area. Um, It has sun for half of the day. So any other ideas around planting for that sort of environment, Ken? Yeah, it depends whether he, if he's got a flower, if he's got a bed in front of it, it makes life a lot easier. But if he hasn't, if he's put his fence in front of a barn and it's just on hard standing, he's going to have some, people often put troughs, but troughs are never deep enough or big enough to grow enough plant against a fence panel. So there's two options here. If you've got, um, if you've got a bed, you could grow large shrubs and you can buy pretty massive shrubs Um that it can be five or six foot high. You could buy things like Fatinia red robin, which is that lovely red love, gives that lovely red leaf in spring. You could even use something as boring, it is boring, but 
laurels, which you can get six, eight foot high at this time of the year. And these are what we call root board, whereas they're dug up out of a field. They're wrapped in, the root is wrapped in hessian and it reduces the price dramatically from buying a container grown plant. And there's quite a few things you can get like that. You can buy a Portuguese laurel, which is uh, Prunus lusitanica. That's um, a same, it's like a little laurel, little small leafed laurel with a reddish vein of the stem. That's quite nice. You can get plants like that at this time of the year. You'd be amazed how many big plants you can buy. Well, that's fine if you've got a bed. If not, you're going to have to buy a pretty big container. Now, if you're going to buy a big container, you've got to buy something equivalent, not necessarily a half barrel, but something as big as a half barrel to grow something on a long term in that sort of situation. And then you could grow climbers. There's things like um, Trachyspermum, which is a, a, jas it's a jasmine type flower that is evergreen and flowers uh, in through the summer. And it's got very perfumed flower. You could also put some um, winter flowering clematis. Again, they're evergreen. Uh, clematis cirrhosa. There's several of those. It's Wisley cream is one that I like. Um, they would spread quite well. You might have to use wires to hold them up or even extra trellises if it's a straight fence. And not forgetting that you could mix two of those. You could mix even with a climbing rose that you could also get to grow in that sort of position. If you've got half a day of sun, you're not in a too bad a position to plant most climbers, but it's looking after that plant, getting it into the middle of each panel and then spreading it out. I suppose actually another thought for you, if you didn't worry about it being evergreen, you could even plant fan-trained fruit trees on it. There's another thought, but uh, that's a bit wild, that one. <laughs> that's espalier growing, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yep. Espalier or fan-shaped, yeah. Yeah, they were. What about, what about Lalandii? Because we know that as a fast-growing well, evergreen. Yeah, my favourite against... My thing about Lalandii is people never trim them fast enough because you need to trim them at least twice a year to control it. A much better alternative, if you want to put conifers and you want to screen the whole thing, would be Thuja. Uh, that's a T-H-U-J-A, Thuja. It's much, it still grows at a fair rate, grows about seven inches a year. It's a lovely green colour. If you crush it in your hand, it's got a lovely smell. And you'd only need to trim that once once a year. And it's not as, it just doesn't grow as alarmingly as a Lalandi. But if you're desperate, Lalandi, you're quite right. And you can grow, again, buy those any height you like these days. Don't forget, you can get your question to Ken. Post at worldradiogardening.com is the email address if you want to get your question in. Jane in Luton has done just that. Worried about her hebe, which has loads of beautiful flowers, as she was told the plant was not hardy. Is this true? Well, a lot of the hebes aren't 100% hardy, so she's dead right there. Um, and the problem is, because this summer played tricks on us, where it did go a little cold, then it, with no rain, leaves started to drop because they were panicking. Then, if you remember, it then went very wet and warm, Ish warmed up again before this deep freeze. Um, so plants are very confused indeed. And we're seeing a lot of flower and all sorts of plants. What can she do? What would I do? Well, 
depends whether she now got snow all over it. If she hasn't got snow all over it, she's got extreme conditions. Horticultural fleece doubled will protect a plant by about two to three degrees, which is well worth it. And also it will protect it from wind. Now, wind and cold does a huge amount of damage to leaves and it will burn the leaves of plants. So Hebe is not that strong if it goes down to heavy minus figures, but it will tolerate frost in moderation. Now, it sounds like it's going to be a bit of a letdown at Christmas time for George in Sutton because he writes, his Christmas tree is dropping needles already. <laughs> <laughs> and the cyclamen he bought for his mum for Christmas has gone droopy and it looks as if it's dying. Any advice, well, Ken? You know, you know, we started off with poinsettias. Well, cyclamen are nearly as bad, really. No, they're a lovely, robust plant, but you can't overwater them and you can't put them in draughts. So it sounds like he's put it somewhere where it's a bit too cool or in a draught and he's overwatered it. Um, all you can try and do and I mean this, is dried out completely, completely dried out before you do anything to it. But if it's drooped completely, I hate to say it, I think you better go out and buy another one. <laughs> you really should. As for his Christmas tree, it depends which Christmas tree he bought, but they all, I always think of it as, you know, we live in, we live in warmish climates indoors, don't we? Now, if we went naked and stood in the garden today where it's minus I don't know much, we get blooming cold. Well, actually, what you're doing to a plant, like a Christmas tree, is the total opposite. You're getting something that's tolerated, the lovely cool conditions outside. It's been growing quite happily. You cut it, you bring it in, and suddenly it's sitting in 20 degrees. It's a bit of a shock. Ideally, you should always use a container that has water in it, and you should have cut some of the stem off before you bring it indoors. And that does help. I know it sounds bonkers, but they've been cut a month before. It's like cut flower. When we buy a bunch of cut flower, we cut the bottoms off before, before they go into a vase. In theory, that's what you should do with a Christmas tree. Whatever it is, doesn't matter whether it's a so-called Nordman non-drop or it's an ordinary Picea abies, which is the common one. Uh, doesn't matter what it is, that's what you really should do. Even if it's growing in a pot, the shock is huge. Try and keep it moist around the stem or root, and that's all you can do for a Christmas tree. And I never bring a Christmas tree into a house before about 10 days <laughs> before Christmas, and it goes out fairly swiftly after, because if not, they drop needles. No, I think I think George will have to email back in and tell us how his Christmas has gone. Post at worldradiogardening.com is the email address. George, get in touch and let us know how how the big day happens for you this year and whether the Christmas tree is a massive success or whether it's uh, dropped all you know, it's just just a wisp of little uh little twigs before the big day um thank you very much Ken it's been great to talk to you again and do tune in to worldradiogardening.com to hear more from Ken Crowther and the gardening experts from veg to flowers and all things in between the best gardening advice online from World Radio Gardening. Ken's top gardening tips will help you get your blossoms beautiful this season.